What types of things are included in a tune-up? Uh, minor maintenance for us, like replacing up the shen- 10 shingle tabs on a three-tab roof. You know, it's a test. Hey, did this guy show up on time? Was he courteous? What was the experience like? And if we can check all the boxes in that initial um, interaction with the homeowner, they'll invite you back out if and when they need something additional. There's always work to be had for people that are willing to do the unsexy small stuff. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have David Silverstein of American Home Contractors. How you doing, David? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are talking about recurring roofing revenue, and we're going to also be talking a little bit about private equity today. And if you don't mind just giving the folks a little bit of a background on you and on American Home Contractors and what you guys are up to now in a few minutes. Sure. So David Silverstein with American Home Contractors. I partnered up in the business in 2015 and we really focused on growth systems and processes from 2015 to 2022 when we were acquired by private equity. And one of the things that made us most attractive to private equity were our reviews and our recurring revenue model through our tune-up program. How many reviews do you uh, get? Uh, well, we, we have over close to 2,500 um, on our Google profile in our Maryland Absolutely office incredible. and close to 2,000 on our Virginia office as well. Unheard so, of. Yeah, you, don't, you don't get that by, by providing consistently poor service, let's say. No. No, we focus tremendously hard on customer service. Mm. Love it. Feel free to keep going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so basically the Tuna program helped us grow, helped us develop additional lead flow for our business, helped smooth out the dips and the peaks and the valleys of the traditional seasonality and weather dependency of the industry. Um you know, keeping our tune-up techs busy throughout the week, keeping that consistent lead flow coming in, and keeping reviews coming in as well. You know, the review game kind of evolved over the years. At first, it started off with you need a five-star rating on Google and other major sources. And then it went, okay, well, now we need a, a five-star rating or a very high-star rating, and we need a certain number of reviews, like 100 or so. And then mm-hmm. now the, the game has evolved with other players in the market to consistency. It's not only about mm-hmm. a high rating and how many you have, but it's consistently getting those reviews day after day, yeah. week after week, year over year. As a guy who studies the Google algorithm, I feel like part of it is just Google likes to see ver- like not just dips and valleys and dips and valleys on stuff like for instance links to your website as well as a big like indicator as far as like how high you are in google it doesn't want to see like 20 links and then zero and then 20 same with content doesn't want to see 20 and then zero and then 20 so because it doesn't look natural so like yeah the more consistent you are with this uh type of stuff and reviews i would assume that's kind of the same way as google sees it as like that's a legit business you know, that's a legit business that's always getting five-star reviews. Absolutely. And not to mention that, you know, you do work with, if you work with a lot of folks, you do have the unfortunate circumstance wherein you can't make somebody happy or you have somebody who's unreasonable and you will get that bad review from time to time. You know, a negative mm-hmm. one-star review will pop up on our profile 
And the amount of effort and time it takes to to change that one-star review to a four or five-star review, it can take hours and hours of time. And if the Mm -hmm. homeowner's, you know, justified in, in leaving that review, then we certainly reach out to them and work with them. But if someone's being unreasonable, then a lot of times if you're getting consistent positive reviews in, you can just ignore that review. You can submit a professional response to the review, acknowledging it. And then you can just move on and get, you know, five positive reviews posted that day. And before you know it, that negative review is going to be on page two and you don't have to worry about it. Whereas Mm. if you don't have a process for getting consistent reviews, then that negative review is going to be front and center for a very long time. And it's going to affect Mm. your advertising spend. Yeah. Or if you have to put a lien on someone's house, you know, I'm I'm just saying (laughs) There's all types of reasons that somebody might want to one-star your company and they're not all legitimate on the customer side, right? Totally. So you just rather focus on getting more positive reviews than transfer or changing those negative reviews to positive because that's a lot of effort and time. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about recurring revenue. Um, You guys have a lot of interesting things going on. You're into solar roofing as well. You're... You know, the reviews obviously are massive, but what really stuck out to me was a little bit of the the recurring the recurring thing, because you said that was attractive to private equity. Can you tell me a little bit about what your recurring revenue looks like and how to make that work as a roofing company? Yeah, sure. So you know, with tune-ups or maintenance in general, maintenance and minor repairs, you can create a recurring business model so that you're constantly meeting the same customers year over year, uh, sometimes multiple times a year, and creating those multiple touch points so that you stay top of mind. And if and when they do a larger project, you're front and center so that they can hopefully choose you or at least involve you in the bidding process. So the recurring business model for us isn't necessarily a profit center, right? That can be a profit center for somebody who's doing commercial roofing and charging hundreds or thousands of dollars for these repairs, but we're doing tune-ups as our recurring model. So it's just basically multiple touch points with that homeowner, keeping us top of mind. And then once that homeowner is ready to replace their roof, their siding, their windows, go solar, whatever we can help them with, again, we're top of mind and we're there to help them with whatever additional needs they have. What types of things are included in a tune-up? Minor maintenance for us, like replacing up the 10 shingle tabs on a three-tab roof, um, repairing the pipe gasket around the plumbing pipes, caulking and sealing, nail pops, um, flashings that come loose, just very minor things. Could you also include, like, like, I don't know, like – sweeping off the or like gutters or gutter clean do you not do those things as part of this i was just like as a homeowner that's like something that i would find to be attractive as well we do a gutter tune-up as well which 100 linear feet of gutter cleaning uh tightening up the gutter testing the pitch sealing the end caps the miters the outlets that kind of stuff making sure the system is functioning properly Again, it gets our foot in the door. It's not a profit center. It's just a way to introduce ourselves, kind of, you know, avoid all the white noise out there, the $1,000 off of a roof, you know, free roof estimates. I mean, no Mm -hmm. one cares about that stuff anymore. But if you can offer them something unique, like a $199 roof tune-up, 
then you can get your foot in the door and you can prove yourself to the homeowner. You know, it's a test. Hey, did this guy show up on time? Was he courteous? What was the experience like? And if we can check all the boxes in that initial um, interaction with the homeowner, they'll invite you back out if and when they need something additional. And the recurring business model is, you know, we're going to do well over a thousand repeat customers tune-ups this year. So people keep coming back to us year over year. They like the experience. They like us as a company. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been built up over the years. So it's not like an overnight success, but, um, you know, it takes time. And that's why I think a lot of other folks haven't invested what it takes to make a successful program like this operate in their own business. What did you say you guys charge for it? Uh, $199 for the roof tune-up, $149 for the gutter tune-up. We started off before, you know, this crazy inflation hit. We started off lower. It was mm-hmm. $149 for the roof tune-up and $125 for the gutter tune-up. And way back in the day, 10 years ago, um, you know, at a, at a different company I was at, we were charging $99 for the roof tune-up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of evolved. We crept the cost up a little bit incrementally. We still want it to be at a competitive price point where people feel comfortable inviting us out. Um, you know, it's just a matter of adjusting that dial and figuring out what price people are willing to pay so that doesn't scare them away. And it's, it's a volume proposition. We keep uh, close to close to nine technicians busy in our program running tune-ups every single day. It's very interesting. You know, talking to HVAC companies, um, because, you know, we work with HVAC too. It's not, our, you know, we have a lot more roofers, but they, you know, when they don't have a ton of repairs or a ton of, you know, they're, they're not doing as much of the, like, it's not a heavy duty system. The, the technicians are always out doing their, their tune-ups on the HVAC side. So like, it just feels like roofing might go that way a little bit. May I ask you, are you in a storm or a retail market? Retail. Like like almost all retail or some storm or? Uh, it depends on uh, the storm activity, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, like what, sorry, what, <laughs> city, what city or area are you in? We're in Maryland, D.C. and Northern Virginia for ah, our retail okay, operations. Yeah. Okay, but I'm familiar with that area. We do service six yeah. states for solar roofing. So we include okay. West Virginia, Delaware, Pennsylvania. Um, we've even gone into New Jersey. We've done a project in Ohio. We're starting to enter the Midwest in Michigan. Hopefully next year we'll have a few projects to do in that state. So we're, we're, we're expanding and we're scaling our operations specifically through Tesla solar roofing. Incredible. I would love to talk a little bit about that. Can we, let's wrap up this, uh, recurring roofing revenue piece. Uh, how does like, what is the real point of this and how does that encourage other lines of revenue? So the point of it is to keep us top of mind and keep us connected with homeowners in the marketplace that could, you know, use our products and services. So most everyone needs a roof. They need siding, window replacements, gutters, you name it, all the stuff we, we offer. So as long as we can get in front of those individuals on a routine basis, right, at least annually, then we have a chance of earning additional business through the other product lines that we offer them, right? If they get a roof tune-up with us and eventually replace their roof, well, we can continue servicing through a gutter tune-up and we can keep that relationship going. And then when they need siding or windows or door replacements, 
you know, we're right there to offer them a quote on those products that they're interested in. I would say you probably have a higher end customer that's going to want a recurring service. Like I want that, you know what I mean? Like I would love a, a somebody to come out and do that stuff for my roof. And I think that if there is a storm that hits, you're probably the only company that they're thinking about at that point as well, right? We're certainly top of mind. Anything can happen, right? A neighbor can get a roof done and all of a sudden be introduced to another party. But, you know, as long as they remember us, we should be top of mind and we'll at least have an opportunity to service. We don't always win, but, you know, if we can be part of the bidding process, that's all we can expect and hope for. Where would you layer this on if you were to start a new roofing company, let's say tomorrow or or whenever the non-compete would end, <laughs> just kidding, um, would end in this situation? Let's say the the levels I'm thinking about are like one million, five million, ten million. Where would you layer on the recurring model if you were to go back and do this again? Um, where would it make sense to do that financially? Day one. Day one, really? Okay. And why, why do you say that? This is a subscription to knowledge, the most in-depth knowledge that you can find in our industry. We're spending the money to make sure that our production value is so high that you'll actually absorb the information and feel like you're getting something premium at the Building Experts Institute. That's kind of how I got into this industry yeah. way back when. And, um, you know, I graduated high school in 2002. I worked for a roofing company doing the traditional roofing, asphalt, tear-offs, dry-ins, shingling. Um, and then over the years, eventually got my own license and in insurance. And the way I got started in business was knocking on people's doors, looking for missing shingles and helping people with, you know, I didn't call it a tune-up at the time, but I charged $75 to go up and replace a few shingles. But I also inspected their attic, I inspected their roof, I inspected their siding, I looked for deficiencies, and I upsold them on roof replacements, window replacements, and other projects that they needed. But I got my foot in the door with that $75 basic service that, mm -hmm. quite frankly, a lot of these people just couldn't say no to. The people that said no were kind of like, no, you know, that's too good to be true. I don't trust you. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're going to charge me $75 to hop up there and replace a couple shingles? Well, yeah, I was driving around the neighborhood in my truck and I had a bunch of bundles of shingles in my in the back of my pickup truck in the bed. And that's kind of how I started. I didn't call it a tune up, like I said, but that's kind of how the idea originated. And then, you know, once I got into business and learned more business skills or sales skills, we were able to package that up into an offering and bundled it up and called it a roof tune up. And then we hired technicians to run multiple appointments a day and scale that up into different markets. And that's kind of how the mm. tune-up program came to existence in our company. And I mean, you're up there if there's real damage. But it was, it was ground zero, right? Yeah. I mean, we weren't even doing a million dollars in revenue at that point. I mean, I wasn't mm. even doing a few hundred thousand dollars a year. I was just starting off. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, you can do it at any any phase of your business cycle, but yeah. you know the larger the business, the harder it can be to incorporate a different program. So if you're a smaller business and you're still developing your processes and systems, systems and processes, then you could definitely bolt this on or start this from the ground up pretty easily. And I was kind of thinking too about like, you know, like as you're doing this, how often would you see 
real damage that needs a full replacement or that would be covered by insurance, right? Like, so that I, I'm guessing that's a massive benefit to this, right? Like you're going to be there when there's actual big stuff to do too. Top rep. We're doing top rep. Then. It's great training. So you got to have that defined sales process, check Tokyo specifically. I don't understand how people make it with a defined sales process as an established company. But just starting out, you definitely need to have that because they need to know, like, and trust you through the whole process to, in order to give you money. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when you get up there and it's, um, let's just say it's more than 10 shingle tabs or yeah. it's a discontinued product. You know, you can tell the homeowner, hey, I can go ahead and perform the service for you. But you may want to consider filing an insurance claim yeah. because I think that you have a high chance of getting this approved for a full replacement. because. Yeah. Either one, you have a discontinued product, or two, there's there's so much damage up here that the adjuster will probably just issue a full replacement if he comes out. But it's kind of like you have to be able to do the small stuff too in these situations. Like I think I think that some people try to play this game like the repair game, even though they don't repair. And it's like no, you got to be actually able to and open to doing small stuff too. And I think like there's always revenue and there's all for people that can do stuff <laughs> that you can really do it. If you can really make the small repair and there's like, there's always work to be had for people that are willing to do the unsexy small stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Take the work that nobody else wants to. And then that just creates reputation. So I think that this is really closely uh, like part of the reason that you guys have so many reviews. If I had to guess is because you're so you're willing to do this smaller stuff. Like, you know, it's cool about a small repair. It's done quick too. And they feel really good about it. A lot of times, especially if you didn't really charge a lot, that's a lovely spot to get a review, right? Well, first and foremost is customer satisfaction. People yeah. are happy with the tune-up. It's a great deal. And as long as you have a professional doing the service, the technician is, you know, showing up on time, doing good quality work, communicating effectively with the homeowner. At the end of that process, yeah, they should definitely be willing to give you a good rating and review on the spot. No questions asked. I love it. Well, we did fully cover this topic of recurring roofing revenue. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about just that's fun to you that's going on in the industry, whether it's solar roofing or anything with marketing and technology that you want to talk about to our audience? Probably a couple hundred people will see this roofing folks. Sure. Do you guys want to talk about Tesla solar roof? You want to yeah, solar talk, and roofing? About, a lot of people have questions about that for sure. So like, you know, is it, you know, it's, it's obviously a high end product. It's expensive. And it requires electricians, right, to install. So in your guys' experience, what was the what was the real um you know, being able to offer that? What did you have to do to be able to offer that well and actually profitably? So taking a step back, kind of looking at the industry as a whole, we noticed that roofing and solar were kind of merging together. You know, solar companies started getting into roofing, roofing companies started getting into solar. So naturally, you know, in the future of solar and wind and batteries and renewables, we saw that solar roofing was only going to grow in popularity. Right now, it's just about awareness. Not a lot of people understand that solar roofing is a real thing. 
you know, you have the Tesla solar roof product, which is amazing. You have the GAF Timberline solar product, which is out. You have other companies doing it, but it's only going to grow in popularity as the, the product gets better, as more people become aware of it. And people wake up to the fact that they, they should really become more energy independent as opposed to depending 100% on their utility company. <laughs> so when you couple solar and batteries, you become your own utility company. You can go off grid, you can produce, consume, charge, discharge. That cycle continues indefinitely. So as more and more people wake up and understand what's happening, more and more people, when they replace their roof, they're going to consider solar. And we mm -hmm. saw that trend. So we were like, look, we got to start understanding solar. And since we're a roofing contractor, we wanted to do it through the solar roofing lens and not just the panels on top of a roof, because we know that integrated products are better. They're better from an installation standpoint. They're better from aesthetics, right? Tax credits. There's a lot of advantages that the building integrated photovoltaic systems have as opposed to a traditional roof installed underneath of solar panels. Mm -hmm. So we started doing our research. We started getting involved with GIF Energy. We started getting involved with Tesla Energy. We got certified and we started the process of becoming a dealer for these products. And it's been great. You know, we started our journey in early 2020. And now we're one of the top certified installers with Tesla in the country doing Tesla solar roof in six states right now and soon to be seven or eight states by next year. So it's been an yeah. incredible journey and it's just something that we're passionate about. It's something new and exciting. We started off with electrical partners, right? We partnered with other solar companies who could help provide the electrical services with us since we, you know, historically are a roofing contractor. We don't have that background, but as we got more volume and sales, and installations under our belt, then we took the electrical in-house. We hired a master electrician, journeyman, and now we have full-blown electrical services in-house. So not only are we doing the solar roof installation on the rooftop, we're also running the wires through the attics, through conduit, down to the inverter, into the main panel, the electrical panel. We're connecting power wall batteries. We're installing um, wall connectors, wall chargers for electric vehicles. We're even installing smart electric panels like Span.io. It's opened up way more product lines than we ever thought possible. And it's only going to continue to improve from here out. So it's been great. Was this attractive to the private equity group, this component of your guys' company? Uh, this kind of scared private equity, to be honest. <laughs> okay, it's scary right. because it's so new yeah. and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that not, not a lot of other people are doing. You know, yeah. a lot of other contractors are either roofing contractors or solar contractors. Some do both, but to be a solar roofing contractor and, you know, that's more than 40% of our business now, you know, yeah. and just remember a few years ago, it was 0%. Now it's yeah. 40%. Yeah. And it's climbing. <laughs> It'll probably be over 50% next year. That's incredible. And being, you know, obviously one of the top get like installers, that's amazing. Could I, uh, could I have you go through, it's a little bit of a separate topic, but everything that made you guys attractive to private equity, I think that that's a recurring topic on this show is just like, what do they want? How do I prepare myself? I would, you know, a lot of our guys probably want to sell. Few of them want to buy that type of thing. So. Sure. So yeah, private equity um, typically looks for first and foremost, uh, good reputation. Right. Good reputation in the industry, which can be seen through reviews online. 
uh, full transparency, right? Uh, that's the first start in their research of identifying potential good companies. And then it segues quickly into the financials. So a lot of companies want to see at least a $1 million EBITDA, you know, basically your bottom line, um, before they start to have more in-depth conversations. And this is just, you know, an ideal type of fit, right? It can be a little bit less than a million dollars. It could certainly be more than a million dollar EBITDA, but that's kind of where things, you know, start out to be attractive for private equity that we've seen. Um, so the financials have to be good, uh, time in business. Again, like I said, the reputation, um, references with suppliers, manufacturers, that kind of stuff. Um, and then also identifying what kind of culture you have and just making sure you have a good, solid team. You know, you don't have your, your company's not built on a, a house of cards. You know, it's got a solid foundation. It's got good people inside the organization, good systems, good processes, using good technology, good data that private equity can look at and kind of filter through and say, hey, what's happening in this organization? Where have they been? Where are they now? Where could we help them get to with our assistance, right? So all of those things make it attractive for private equity, just a really good run business. You know, even if you're starting off, um, you know, obviously if you're it's your first year in business, that's not gonna be very attractive, but a few years in business, if you can show, you know, a track record and show good progress and a good upward trend, and you could show the private equity that, hey, we're profitable, we're running a good business, we have good people, and we're focused on the right things, then I think you'll see private equity continue to buy more and more roofing companies in the next several years, uh, including very small companies. You know, we've seen companies that are doing five or six million dollar top line revenue be acquired recently. Awesome. And do you want to shout out your guys' group? Yeah, Infinity Home Services. Yeah. And how do, does, I mean, I'm guessing you guys reach out to people, but is there anywhere they could go to check out that, um, the private equity group? Absolutely. Infinityhomeservices.com. Awesome. You can put the link in the show notes. Sure. He's done this before folks. He's been on a show. <laughs> I like it. And you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Um, and then what is your guys.com? The, the roofing company. Uh, AmericanHomeContractors.com. Awesome. And it, David was suggested by John DeRosa from SRS, and that guy's amazing. And I, I just really appreciate the suggestion. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you being on, taking the time to chat with people and be useful to them. Um, the podcast is put on by HookAgency.com, Hook Agency all over social. Check us out, and thank you for watching.